We always want the best of everything in all areas of our lives, whether it be physical, financial, relational, spiritual. We really want the best of it. But to get that is going to require more than mediocrity on our part. It requires excellence. We continue our series with Elder Ivor Johnson entitled, Why Not Excellence? Let's jump in. The last time that we were together, which was last week, we started, I started a message entitled, Why Not Excellence? Now I have a question, how many people are here today that were not here last Sunday? Okay, praise the Lord. All right, well, welcome. I asked that question just in case you wondered. I, I asked so that I know how much of a review I have to do so we can all kind of end up on the same page. So based upon that response, I'm going to have to do a little bit more than I thought, but that's okay. Praise God. Um, I also would like to welcome all of our viewers on Periscope. It's always such a blessing to have you with us in any capacity whatsoever. So with that being said, I'm going to have to do a little bit of a review. Basically, the reason why the Holy Spirit wanted this particular subject matter is because I believe he, well, he was answering a question that I had, but also he wants to push the envelope a little bit on all of us to make us adjust our thought process and adjust our thinking to when it comes, when it comes to excellence. We should be excellent in every single area of our lives. And we should be, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. And he has equipped us with the ability to do it. We just have to really kind of make the decision and decide that we are. Now, the last time we were together, you know, I did, and I can't go over all of this again, so what I am going to ask you to do is please get the CD because I promise you, all of this is gonna to link together and it's for your spiritual enrichment and edification. It's not, I mean, <laughs> I don't get anything from the CDs, the ministry isn't making any big money off of these CDs, but we're doing this because we want you to grow. That's the whole purpose. It's really because we love you, to be very honest, because you know what? Sometimes, as a matter of fact, <laughs> you can go some places, they don't have CDs available. And people, you know, if you can't take the notes fast enough, or if you miss a particular you know, thought that you want to go back and, and see. You can't even do it if there is no CD. So this is really a labor of love. And the people who work in that area of Ministry of Helps, they come in, they put in extra time to be able to, to do this for us. So just kind of take advantage of it, please, so that, you know, this way you're right where you need to be and you can continue to grow. So one of the things that we discussed last week, we talked about the fact that pretty much all of us would agree we would rather have God's best in every area. Nobody just wants to settle for good, I mean that's okay, and better is, eh, it's a little bit better, so it's pretty good, but the best, everybody wants that. So you want to have the best, live in the best, eat the best, drive the best. We, we pretty much decided that and, and discovered that on last week. I'm not going to go through all of the things because I can't, it, then I won't be able to move forward. But in excellence, which is something we're all trying to do, it requires something. It costs you something. 
And some of the things, just a few, is diligence. You have to be diligent. You have to develop discipline. And you have to develop a sense of never, ever, ever, ever giving up. And you have to make the decision to become a disciple and follow Christ. And that discipleship means that you need to be like he is. Do what he does. And we went over some of those things last week. Um, you can jot down these scriptures if you aren't here, because I'm not going to have time to read them all again. But if you jot down John's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 12 through 13, and then jot down Romans, the eighth chapter, verses 15 through 18. These were some of the scriptures that we read before, and what they are letting you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that you have the right to become a child of the Most High God. And in addition to that, what Romans is letting you know is that once you do make that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you actually become an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. So those scriptures will tell you that. We went over it last week, but I know that you will do it on your own time and on Periscope. I'm sure you will do the same thing. And both of those translations, if you read them in the Amplified, as well as whatever other translation you have, I guarantee you, you're going to be extremely blessed. The other thing that I will go over, because we did it last time, was verse 18 of Romans talks about suffering. I have to read that part because you're not going to get it. So I'll read it out of the New King James Version, where Romans 8 the 18th verse says, but I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And those same verses of scripture in the Amplified says, for I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to good to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. And what this is basically talking about is Jesus, we already know, or most of you know that are here, that he paid the ransom for us when he went to the cross. Now, that is the kind of suffering none of us can even begin to wrap our heads around. We can't even imagine that. And when we go through different things that we walk through, different temptations, trials, and tests, a lot of times it's considered a form of suffering. And I mentioned to you last time, suffering, that's a whole nother subject. We would have to bring that up at a whole different time. But for just the sake of this, I wanted to encourage you to know that I don't care what you may be walking through. And I also shared with you last time too, how Minister Scott shared with me excuse me, but he shared with all of you too, that it's how you react to a situation. It's not that you should ever say that you're going through something, but you're growing through it. And you need to understand that whatever it is, whatever storm you may be in the midst of, whatever challenge you may be battling, and we did agree last time, and I'm pretty sure most of you would agree this time, that either you are growing through something presently or you have grown through something in the past. I don't think anybody sitting here, if you are a believer, has never encountered some type of challenge that you've had to work through. Am I telling the truth? Would you agree with that? Okay, so the point being is what we need to understand is no matter how dark 
it may seem to you, it is nothing compared to what Jesus did when he took all of our sin, not just yours personally, but all of it, and bore it on the cross. It cannot compare. So when you think about that, we can't just, we can't keep looking at, oh, woe is me and how much we're going through, how much we're growing through, how much we're walking through, because it's something that, believe it or not, we can have a tendency to do. <laughs> and when we do that, we put ourselves, and I gave an example last week, which you can find, because I'm not gonna have time to read it again, but if you look at, um, you can look at Matthew's Gospel. Jot this down. Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, verses 22 through 33. This is Matthew's account of when Peter was, okay, I have to give you a little background. Okay, Jesus, ministered to multitudes. And we know that little story where there were only, excuse me, five loaves of bread and two fish, and he fed all of these thousands upon thousands of people and still had things left over, to fragments left over in the basket. Everybody remembers that story. Okay, well after that, he sent his disciples so that he could go and be alone to pray. And by the time he finished with his praying, the boat was way out in the water because he sent them out in a boat to go to the other side. And I have to read this part, it's not gonna make sense. <laughs> I tried to get away with it. But anyway, Matthew 14, I'm gonna read it to you out of the Message Bible because it'll get right to it quickly. And this is Jesus, this is right after that, that particular feast that I'm talking about with all the multitudes. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. And I explained last time, too, how we always need to find some time where we can pray, where it is just us alone. It's wonderful when you pray with your family and, and get into agreement with people. That's, that's true. That's good. But we need to discipline ourselves so that we are just praying to the Heavenly Father so that He can, in His loving kindness, show us what He needs us to do, what we personally, we need to get personal instruction from Him. And that is when we spend some time with Him. So, and Jesus did it, so we need to be like Jesus and do it ourselves. So picking up at verse 24, it says, meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call to me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves, churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. The whole point of this story to me is that, and think and I want you to think about this and liken it to when you are at the beginning of any challenge in your life. You are all about it. You're like, okay, got the word, I'm gonna do this. Yes, got it. But as you keep getting buffeted and hit with whatever the enemy is knocking you upside your head with, 
What do you do? How do you respond? Do you respond in excellence or do you start to do like Peter did? And you start to look at whatever the circumstances are. And then if you do that and you stop and think, you will see that you will do the same thing Peter did. He began to sing. And the key here is Peter didn't just fall. He didn't just drop into the water. It was a process. And that's the same thing that happens to us when we start looking at the circumstances of whatever that particular challenge is. We begin to sink. And that's what we cannot do. And we shouldn't do it because we've got the power of the entire Godhead within us who lives within us. So if the entire Godhead is within you, I don't care what you're facing. It really does not matter because you can square your shoulders and know. Kind of think of it this way. Think of it if you are, think of yourself as a student and you're in school. It doesn't matter. It could be at any grade, you know, through secondary school. And say you have older brothers and sisters that go to that school, you have cousins that go to that school, you have a whole lot of family that goes to that school. And some little bully comes up to try to challenge you. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna run and hide? Or are you gonna call your family and your brothers and sisters to come and take care of you and handle the situation? As a matter of fact, sometimes little kids like that turn into bullies themselves because they're like, yeah, come do something because they know they have backup that's gonna help them. Well, think about it. No matter what you may be growing through presently, you have more than backup. You've got the entire Godhead within you. All you have to do is what? You just can't give up. You square your shoulders and you stand flat-footed knowing you've got the victory. It's in how you think about the thing. If you sit there, that's why the enemy constantly does what? The battlefield is in your mind. He constantly gives you thoughts, ideas, and suggestions because if he can make you believe that you can't achieve the victory, you won't because it starts with what you think. What you think then goes into your heart, what goes into your heart then comes out of your mouth, what you say creates the situation that you're in. You cannot give up. You cannot. And then, you know, this is something I was sharing this with somebody else earlier this week, so I guess I'll share it with you too. <laughs> Another trick of the enemy, because I'm now calling the enemy, and we talk about this in our sessions on Tuesday, which I invite everybody on Periscope and everybody here. We have a noonday Bible study. Right now, the Holy Spirit is teaching us on prayer. And that's something that I'm telling you, I invite you on Periscope, it, go right there at 12 o'clock on Tuesday, and I invite all of you, if you're in the area, to come. It has nothing to do with me. It's not about me. I'm loving this series, okay? Here's why. We don't realize sometimes that there are different types of prayer. And we just think, see, we mix up fellowship and prayer. Yes, you can fellowship with the Father all day long. You can talk to him all day long. And you should pray without ceasing. But there is a formulation of how you are to pray so that you get the results that you want. And too often, people don't know that. And it doesn't matter, unfortunately, if we're ignorant of something. Our ignorance can cost us big time. But that's why this is so wonderful that we belong to this ministry, which is the teaching ministry of the Apostle Frederick Casey Price, because we know he doesn't ever want us to be ignorant. So he always has the word coming forth. And you need to know how to pray so that when you speak, you know 
that you're going to get the answer. You're not guessing and wishing. So I invite you to come out for that series because a lot of you, I'm telling you now, you are praying incorrectly. And bless your hearts, you don't even know it. So take advantage of that, okay? Because what I'm saying is I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how you feel. See, that's the trick of the enemy. He gets us to start paying attention to our feelings. I don't care if you think you are in the worst situation imaginable. You need to understand that, first of all, there is nothing you're going through Jesus has not already experienced. So therefore, you're not all that special, I hate to tell you, okay? Somebody else has already received the victory in what it is that you are growing through at that moment. But don't allow the pressure of whatever challenge to start making you forget that you belong to the Most High God. I want you to start your assignment from me today is to get up in the morning, square your shoulders, look in that mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God. And whatever it is I say is so. Why? Because when I speak, God is speaking through me. And you know what? I don't care. See, we, we're visual. And some people are more visual than others. I don't care if you have to take an old bathrobe that you have. Imagine yourself, put it on your shoulders. Walk and see yourself in your priestly robes. See yourself as the king that you are. See yourself as the son of the Most High God. And ladies, we are daughters of the king. See yourself as that. I have a literal tiara. That, that's a whole nother funny story. You have to come to Doris the King, I'll share that with you. But the point is, put on your tiara if you need to. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ, okay? None of this was in my notes, but that was obviously meant for someone. Okay, so praise the Lord. So basically, this is kind of like where we started to leave off last week, where we are right now. We realized that we all want to live and achieve excellence. And I gave you some examples last time. We talked about people who were considered excellent in sports. We mentioned Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Steph Curry with this three-point shooting. We mentioned Serena and Venus Williams, some of the best when it comes to tennis. But we mentioned the apostle and Dr. Betty when it comes to faith. And we recognized and decided that they had to make some quality decisions to be able to receive that excellence in their life. It wasn't happenstance. They didn't stumble upon it. They decided to do it. And then I reminded all of us that we made a decision too. And you can turn with me really quickly to John 3, 16 through 18, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. John 3, 16 through 18, are you there? Okay, it says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son 
so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes and has decided, that's the key word that I want you to see, decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged for this one. There is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation, but the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the one who can alone save him. So the point that I'm making here is you made a decision an actual decision, if you are a believer, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It started as what? A decision. So why not make the decision of excellence for every area of your life? I mean, it's a decision. If we read about any of the people that I talked about, you're going to see what it cost them, what they had to do. All we have to do, I mean, it's really simple because all we really have to do is just follow Jesus and do what it is that he says. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Now, we are blessed to have a contemporary example of someone who exudes excellence, and that is in the person of the apostle Frederick Casey Price. And I mentioned to you how when he last visited here, how it just blessed me so, even beyond his phenomenal teaching. Because I also shared with you that I have been following, my husband and I have been following his ministry for 36 years, which is more than half of my life. And he has never, I mean, trust me, if we could try to pick it apart, we, we've been around long enough to try to do it, he's just never, ever, ever stopped amazing me with his excellence. He and Dr. Betty are two of the most excellent people that I know. You know, sometimes people will sit up and they'll look at uh, Stan and I and they go, why in the world do you travel so far to come to church? I mean, think about it. We live like, it takes us, I don't know, we live, I don't want to give, it's like 100 miles one way. And it takes us, because we live on Long Island, and it takes us a long time to get here. I don't care whether we drive, whether we take the train, it doesn't matter. But we do it because of this quality and integrity of the word of this particular ministry and these two people who we absolutely love. But here is the thing. We've learned so much. We literally reared our five children based upon the excellence that we saw in them and them raising their children. And that's what we just decided to do. We have a contemporary example in them. And you know, I remember different little things like Dr. Betty once said, you can't stoop down to the level of how you feel. So on a day when I don't feel like coming in here and taking two and a half hours to get here, I realize it's not about how I feel. It's not about me, it's about the word. So get up, dust yourself, off and get on whatever you have to, the car, the train, whatever you have to do. And that's what we have to do. You have to be all in. You can't be half-stepping. And I have to tell you, we are now at a time, 
in case you didn't realize, in case nobody shook you for you to see what's going on around you and you're living in a little bubble inside your house, okay, understand this is a tumultuous time in which we're living and we have got to start getting on our A game. We cannot any longer just sit idly by and just kind of play around church and play church. No, that time is, is done. So anyway, when the apostle was here, the thing that really got to me, <laughs> there is no joke or it's not unusual that they call him the godfather of faith. And I shared with you, he recently, and for any of you who are members here, you know he was under a serious physical attack. Not some little, you know, oh, he's just not feeling well, but I mean serious life attack he was under, where the enemy was trying to totally take him out of here. How did he respond? Did he respond with excellence? You better believe he did. What did he do? He exercised his faith. He stood upon the promises of the word of God that he knows are real. And he certainly, certainly was here. Was he victorious? Yes, he was. He stood here at 84 years young. And he taught the word of God. And how did he do it? He did it with excellence. So here's my thing. If he can do it, and this is what posed the question that started this whole thing rolling to begin with. If he can do it, then why can't we? I mean, seriously, if he can do it, why can't we do it? We know that God is no respecter of persons. So if he's no respecter of persons and the apostle and Dr. Betty can do it and they look like they never age. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I mean, they just look the same no matter what do the same thing. So the Holy Spirit, of course, answered that. We can. We can do the same thing. We have to just know, We first of all, we have to make the decision and we have to decide to be obedient and to operate in excellence all the time. That's it. We've got to believe in the promises of God, which you must know. And in case you don't know this, and this is good for the people on Periscope too, because I don't know if you always get a chance to come here to this wonderful ministry with the teaching that we have. You need to read, okay, from Jude to Revelation. You need to read all of that. No, from Romans, I'm wrong. From Romans to Jude, I want you to, to read all that. You've got to know what your promises are. If you don't know what they are, you can't begin to trust God. I mean, you know, you can't trust in something you don't have any knowledge of. I mean, that's just common sense. That's not even spiritual. You don't even have to get spiritual for this. If you don't know something exists, if you don't know about something, if you don't know someone, you can't have trust in them. It's just impossible. You're not going to, okay? So you've got to start spending some time in the Word. And I had said to you last time, because it sounded as if all of these things that I was sharing with you seemed as if it was going to be so complicated and so difficult to do, that I was going to share some things with you to show you how to bring this excellence in your life into fruition. So the first thing that you have to do is you must be born again. There's no question about that, okay? Because in order for you to be able to take on that role of being an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus, you have to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Now this is a very, very, very sensitive topic for me because as I mentioned to you 
the first time I shared uh, all of this with you, that Elder Nate teaches salvation second to none. Well, I have to let you know, it's very, very important because there are a lot of you, and maybe some of you, I hope not, but maybe some of you are sitting here under the sound of my voice who really believe you are saved and you're not. And let me be clear and explain that. I, in 1984, would have wrestled you to the ground and told you that I was born again and I was going to heaven and I was married and had three children at the time. And I believed that. I literally believed it. However, I had never seen Romans 10, 9 and 10. I had never even seen it. So if I had never seen it, I certainly had never confessed it. I had never asked Jesus with my mouth, not a silent prayer, because silent prayers are thoughts. And thoughts that go unspoken die unborn. So if you silently pray to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you are not saved. Because that doesn't mean anything. It was a thought that went unborn. I did not know until I went to a crusade and I'll never forget it, it was August 24th at 11.07 p.m. I was there to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but because this is the wonderful teaching ministry of the apostle, they teach salvation first because they know that you can't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit without being saved. So that's when I realized, oh my goodness, that's when I first saw Romans 10, 9 and 10 for the very first time. And that was when I was able to make that confession of faith and be born again. So I say that to say this, I grew up in the Baptist church. I was in church, met my husband in church, I was in church all the time. They never told me anything about I had to confess Jesus. They just said, join the church, come faithfully, be here all the time, get involved, join the ministry of helps. I mean, and I did all that. I was there all the time. I mean, if I wasn't at home and in school, I was in church and I was still going to hell and didn't know it. So therefore, I submit to you, if anyone under the sound of my voice and even on Periscope, if for some reason or another you have not seen Romans 10, 9, and 10 that says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one confesses unto righteousness and with the mouth, wait a minute, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The point is if you have not had the chance to do that, you'll have a chance to do it today. Praise the Lord. But make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that you were born again. Don't guess with that, okay? Because it's a big deal. The next thing that you have to do, so that was point one, that you have to be born again. Point two is it is imperative that you are filled to overflowing with the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, it's one thing to be born of the Spirit of God, that's great, because that means that you get a benefits package and you are going to go to heaven and all that's wonderful. But you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Because you see, when you're filled, now you have complete illumination when you read the Word of God. Then things will jump off the page at you. Then you have the power to go along this journey of life 
and totally 100% win easy because you've got a guide. You've got the comforter. You have the one who is in you. As a matter of fact, turn with me to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 16 and 17 because I don't want you just taking my word for this. This explains it really clear. You're going to look at John 14, verse 16 and 17. Are you there yet? Okay. So, starting with verse 16, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, I love it out of the Amplified because it breaks down that word helper or comforter. And the Amplified says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. That's what the Holy Spirit is for you. When you are filled to overflowing, he is your comforter, your advocate, your intercessor, your counselor, your strengthener, your standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take it to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. So therefore, that's why you must receive that second part of your translation. And that's another trick of the enemy who, as you will start to realize, we call him on Tuesday, we've identified him as a con artist, okay? Because he comes with things. Notice with the con artist, there's always some little bit of truth in there to kind of get you, to bait you, to start to make you think there's something to it. And then that's when they work the con. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit has done to believers, to Christians. He's made them say, he's not happy when you're born again. That he's not happy with. But he'll kind of, he has no choice but to accept it. But for you to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, are you kidding? He will make you think it is the worst thing in the world. He'll give you all kinds of examples. He will allow you to see things, everything to try to keep you from receiving that gift. Well, we already know he is a liar, so don't fall for it. Don't fall for the con. Receive all that God has for you. Why? Because you want excellence. Why? Because you want God's best. So you need the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's point two. Point three is you need to be authentic with yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to help you and start to tweak things. And when I say authentic, you hear me say that all the time. When I stand before you, I'm always authentic. What I mean when I say I want you to be authentic with God is I want you to be so real with him. I want you to imagine, so I said this on Tuesday, so I'm going to say it again. Imagine yourself getting up in the morning by yourself, going to a full-length mirror, naked as the day you were born, and look at yourself. That's authentic. It doesn't get any more real than that. You will see some things that you didn't know were there, okay? 
you will say to yourself, you swore you look good, you know, and you know how we are. I mean, men, you know, I can't, I can't talk about the men. I don't know what they go through, but ladies, you know, okay, we have different things in our closet, like, okay, on a good day, I'm going to wear that. I don't know. Let me switch over to this. This is better. But we still think we're holding it in. You know, everything's looking good, you know. You know, they have spanks and all kinds of stuff, and, you know, you can lift stuff up here and, you know, suck things in there. But when you're standing in front of that mirror with nothing on, it can be really, really interesting, okay? But you're being very authentic at that moment because you don't have anything to cover up anything. You are seeing it for real. That's how I want you to be when it comes to that time you have with your Heavenly Father. Be completely authentic. Allow him to minister to you and to show you some things that you need to do, some things that you need to correct for you to have his best, for you to have that excellence that you're striving for. And you know what? He'll do it, okay? If we are diligent, which means, by the way, constant in effort to accomplish something, persistent, attentive, that's what being diligent means. We need to do that so that he can instruct us. Because, you know, if we instruct one another, we're not kind, we're not loving, and we can be downright cruel, okay? Whereas he will share things with you in a way that you can receive it. And he does it lovingly, with compassion. And then you know how to go ahead and say, okay, I need to work on this, I need to work on that, I need to fix this. The other thing is, you need to pray in the spirit, which goes back to why you need point two, okay? Because you have to be able to pray in the spirit. Your prayer language, not some of the time, not when you get around to it every now and then, but daily. Every day you need to pray in the spirit. We learned from Pastor Price that it's equivalent, our prayer language is equivalent to a nuclear weapon. Because when you are praying right now in the present, you are praying about your future, which has already been ordained before the foundation of the earth. Nothing is more powerful than that. So why would you not do it? You need to do it if you want to operate in excellence. Now, of course, you need to pray in English too because you want to make sure you are covering all the bases, you know what it is that you're saying, and you are making your petitions known unto God with thanksgiving. He tells us to do that in his word. Another reason why you need to avail yourself to the prayer series so that you know that you know that you know that you're praying correctly. That's point number five. Point number six is to make the decision to study. Be all in. Study the word of God. You cannot stand on promises again that you don't have any idea what they are. Turn with me quickly, and you all already know this, but in case you've never seen it, because just like I had never seen Romans 10, 9, and 10, I don't take for granted that everybody's seen everything in scripture, and I want you to see it. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, the second chapter and the 15th verse. And I know you all have heard it, whether you've seen it or not, you have probably definitely heard it. And if you look at it in the King James Version, I'm gonna read it to you this time, out of the King James, not the New King James. It says, study 
to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing what? The word of truth. And if you look at it in the Amplified, which really breaks it down, it says, study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That is very, very, very clear. The point being is, we have to make the decision to study. There are many people who don't, and that's fine, if that's what you want in your life. But the title of this message is Why Not Excellence? And if you want excellence, you're gonna have to study. Okay, it's not good enough to just come into every Bible study and to come into every church service and never look at the word any other time. You then might have a good life, but you're never gonna have one of excellence. You're never gonna reach your potential if you're not studying. Now I'm gonna go and explain this a little bit too because everybody learns differently. Okay, and we need to understand that too. Now that's something that our Jewish brothers and sisters, some of them have down because they recognize that females and males learn differently. So a lot of their classes, they put all the females together and they put all the males together. They're not trying to say that the, the boys are smarter than the girls or vice versa, but they recognize that their ability to grasp the, the material has to be presented differently because they learn differently. Well, we need to understand that about ourselves. And if you go back to that other point that I gave you, oh, point number three of being authentic, God will show you some things about yourself. You may find that you are a person who learns auditorily, meaning if somebody gives you a CD and you listen to that CD, you could get up and teach the CD because you got it, okay? But you also may, be, you may find that that's not the type of person that you are. Maybe, yeah, you can get something from the CD, but you learn more from reading. So it would be better for you to read a book because if you read the book, you're going to get something out of it. So you have to understand that about yourself and you need to also, as a sidebar, understand that about people who you are mentoring or children that you are rearing or grandchildren because everybody is different. We are not just you know, little clones, we're different. And if you understand that about yourself, it will make your life so much easier. Because if you're a person who learns auditorily, and I tell you here, you have to read, read through the Bible. You know how you get all those things, let's read through the Bible in a year, which frustrates me because the Bible is not a storybook. And that doesn't work for everybody. But if you give that to someone who learns auditorily, you are really dampening their spirits. And you're getting them to the point where they'll never want to study, because that's not how they learn. If you say to somebody, you can only learn the Bible through hearing it auditorily, and we're going to take your, the ability for you to read it away, that's not going to work for them. You need to know the difference. My husband learns auditorily. Now, our car, because we are constantly traveling, is a university of the word, okay? I mean, we can give out CDs to anybody, okay? Because we have them all over the place. Because we learn, we're in the car forever, so we might as well use the time. So we've always done that. However, for me, I learn through reading. If I read it, that's better for me. And if I write it, I got it. But that's how I look. Now, I still like CDs because I sit 
and I listen to the CD, but I'm one of these people, I'll put the CD in and press pause, because I have to digest what I just heard. Then I write it, then I own it. If I have to just, if you just tell me, here, listen to the CD, I will listen, but that's not my strong suit. My strong suit is to read it. So all I'm saying to you is find out what works for you, and then go ahead and do that. The other thing is, let's look at 1 John, the fourth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. This is 1 John, the one toward the back. The fourth chapter, verses 16 through 18, and this is really encouraging. Let me know that you're there. Okay. Now, this one, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified because of time. But follow along in whatever translation you have, I promise you, we'll end up in the same place because there's only one Holy Spirit. So, starting with verse 16 out of the Amplified, it says, We have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. Now, remember, the word abide means to dwell, to live, to take up residence. That's what the word abide means. In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. This allows us to know that God's love is perfected in us when we abide in love, which again is another decision. Because why? God is love. Think about this for a moment. God is love and the power of him and the entire Godhead, like I keep telling you, live within us. When we are born again, do you think that God feels at home or welcome when we operate in strife or worry or anguish or backbiting or gossiping, or talking about one another, or even fear, which is false evidence appearing real. I don't think so. Why would he want to be in that kind of environment? He would not. We just read that perfect love does what? Okay, it drives out fear. So as a side note, this is just another one, perfect love is the solution to the hate we're witnessing all around us in this earth realm right now. So. And we are the what? The carriers of that. So we need to stand in that and understand that too. Now there's another importance to our love walk. And okay, you know what? I'm going to push the pause button because I got to share this with you. We talked about how the enemy will attack us in different areas. One of the ways that he loves to attack us is physically. That seems to be, you know, that's right up there. Physically, financially, those are two areas that every believer at some point or another, excuse me, usually has some experience in. 
One thing that we have to make sure that we do is we never, ever, ever, ever can give up, but we also have to make sure that we avail ourselves to the best counsel that is given and available to us in the earth realm. And what I mean by that is this, and this wasn't in my notes, but the Lord wants me to share it. There may be someone here who is being attacked physically, and you are standing with everything you've got, believing for the victory, and that's good. However, sometimes we get misguided into thinking that we don't need to seek the best doctors to get the best information that they have to help us. We feel as if, if we don't do that, you know, if we don't consult with the doctors, if we don't confer with the doctors and get the best from the doctors, you know, if, if we do that, rather I should say, we feel as if we do that, then that's compromising our faith or we're not operating in faith. That, my dear brothers and sisters, is not true. That is another con from the enemy. There are two people in my life, well actually I should say, well no, two in this particular instance, who are not here today, I believe, because they bought that con, okay? There is doctors, first of all, God gives them the knowledge. It's not like they're some people that are just born and they were just so smart. Are you kidding me? All that they know comes from God. But we need to listen sometimes and get some help from them. It does not mean that you are weak in faith because you do that. The apostle stood here at 84 years young. If you think he never consulted with the doctor, you are wrong. He did, okay? Now, yes, he and Dr. Betty get the best because they operate in excellence. So they have the best of everything, including the best doctors. But the point is they do utilize doctors because here's the deal. Your faith isn't in the doctor. Your faith isn't in the medicine. Your faith still remains in God, okay? But for you to not take advantage of that and just stand in faith, that could wipe you right out of here, okay? And I am not telling you again, I never will stand before you with a fairy tale. I'm telling you my life, okay? When we were on 96th Street for two years, I battled with an attack on my body where the enemy tried to wipe me right out of here. And I was standing on faith. I went to a natural path. I was doing everything natural. I did every possible thing that could be done in the natural. And I still am an advocate of natural remedies, okay? I mean, I have a whole pantry that instead of it having food, it has vitamins and supplements, okay? So I still believe in that. But I had to come to a point where I realized, okay, with all of my faith and with all that I'm doing, I need a little something else. Because it got to a point where the rest of my body was being compromised for the thing I was being attacked with. And what ended up happening was they gave me a death report. And I realized when they tell you you're about to die, I don't want to die. <laughs> Meaning I still had children to rear, I had things to do. I was like, I'm not gonna just leave, are you kidding me? So then I was like, mm, maybe I think I will go and see what the doctor has to say. Because <laughs> I'm not ready to leave. And you know what? The naturopath also said, well, you know what? We've done everything that we know to do. Yes, we do need to listen to what the doctors have to say. And I'm standing before you now 
not because of the doctors, not because of the naturopath, but because of the God we serve, okay? But praise God, the thing that I need you to know is don't shut off what you think is something that's keeping you from your faith. Don't do that. That's a trick of the con man because he wants to wipe you out. But you have things to do because God has called you for a purpose and you've got to fulfill that purpose and you've got to stay strong in the things of the Lord. And I only got up to point number five <laughs> and I still have some more. So you know what? I'm going to have to come back to it because I'm out of time. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening, and remember, walk by faith, not by sight.